Welcome, one and all, to Picard, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Star Trek universe. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Bonjour, Pete. It's the escape that counts. Picard, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 208, Mercy comes to you now via somatic nuclear cell transfer gestated in a proprietary medium. Wow, well done, Pete, on the first first take, too. Uh, Pete, looking ahead to the future, Strange New Worlds is increasingly on the horizon. We're going to have some news about it this week. Big uh, news. Indeed. Indeed, Pete. Uh, in the meantime, do check out uh, and rate and or review our Apple Podcasts feed for Strange New Worlds. Pete, it's the one that does not mention the show in the logo. That's how cool it is. <laughs> we can't stress enough how much you help us get in the ears of others by even just tapping that uh, rating button or taking a little bit more time and leaving a review. So with the launch of that show and the buzz is super high at this point, uh, you'd absolutely be helping us out by doing that. So thank you. Also on its own feed, as well as, you know, of course, everything always comes back to the Pop Culture Podcast feed as well. But uh, we were talking Moon Knight Episode 4 yesterday, so that's up as we continue to talk about mind-twisting twists and turns, mind-bending twists and turns, and so forth uh, in Moon Knight. Yeah, it's been a blast to do that. Strange to think there's only two more episodes of that. In the meantime, Matt, we have kicked off our Obi-Wan Kenobi podcast feed you find that on apple Podcasts, as well as ms marvel uh with a little bit more coming about her tomorrow for a marvel monday yeah we're gonna be uh we're gonna be previewing ms marvel as well which pete should get us all previewed up and ready to go for all the shows podcasting through the summer i think um (laughs) certainly all the new shows podcasting through the summer i I think that'll that'll have us complete until we get the she hulk date this week right (laughs) well pete that far off in the future at least as we as we sit now uh at the moment though let's head into our mission briefing In a darkened forest, a terrified boy wielding a flashlight flees from a pair of pursuers. He trips, knocking the flashlight out of his hands and turns it on again to see a male and female with pointy ears right on top of him. We cut to bloody handcuffs, Picard and Guinan waiting. Agent Wells comes in to interview them. He doesn't like the word interrogation. Let's see. Question one. Are you an extraterrestrial life form? Guinan leads a laugh at the silly question. Picard says he is not, which is true. Uh, Wells makes a note that Guinan is laughing. It shows that her species has humor. But Wells wants to know more about sabotaging the Europa mission. Guinan notes that all of this looks super off the books. You know, they're in an evidence room where the camera clearly doesn't work and all of that. So Pete Guinan trying to take her foot off the gas in terms of tension here. But Wells admits that no one knows they're at this FBI field office where things tend to disappear. We cut to the credits, uh, which include our regular regulars, our periodic regulars, the episode's written by Cindy Apple and Kirsten Beyer, directed by Joe Menendez. We come back into the episode where there's a foul wind a-blowing in Los Angeles as Seven and Rafi uh, check in with Rios. Uh, after all, they kindly recap for us. There's a Borg queen on the loose. Uh, of course, she's more than a Borg queen. There's Agnes in there as well. Are we all clear on that, Pete? It's Borg queen taking over, but there still is some good in her. There still is some Agnes. A side of Borg Queen or uh, a side of Agnes, depending on how we're choosing to look at it at this point. Um, And he needs to check La Serena Rios does to ensure that she didn't Borgify anything else and figure out a way to contain her once they find her. Seven reads abnormal life signs, but they're too far away or faint. Raffi tells her she's going to have to Borg up. 
but seven points out without cranial implant. She has no proximity transceiver, so she can't track Gerardi. Rafi meant analog, but seven's not Borg. But she is seven. And just who exactly is that to Rafi? Pete, all of this is upsetting Seven, who instead of thinking like a Borg, decides to go talk to the bar owner, uh, who isn't going to talk to cops. Uh, well, Gerardi, uh, it's just named Gerardi, we know who we're talking about here. Gerardi is uh, Seven's sister. That's right, I'm looking for my sister. Oh, she went that way with a guy with a beard? Great. We go back to Wells, who's got a dossier of six known trespassers at the Europa Gala. Guyna notes that Wells clearly is not a top interrogator. Uh, tell us, what makes him the man for this job? Uh, he says that he's just a good old-fashioned civil servant. No, no, says Guinan. This is personal. See, Pete, she's reading him, setting up some of the flashback revelations for the second half of the episode. Wells pivots to Picard's bruise from an IV. Picard, oh, I was just dehydrated. After all, he's only human. He's not Pete. He's a synthetic robot thing. <laughs> uh, Wells leaves, and Picard notes that this uh, could be enough for the authorities to scrub the launch with or without Renee, which is a handy way of reminding us that this episode is important to the story of the season. Corey replays the video of Adam Sung and needs to get into his lab. So she straps on her VR Aspectus headset and tells it to extrapolate the two-dimensional video into a 3D environment. And then there's a non-native code detected when Q tells Mon Petit to have patience. She asks who he is, and he says, a friend, a fire starter, a simulacra, the living program when he hacked her father's system, waiting for her to arrive at this moment. He holds up a test tube with her name on it and scans it with a computer displaying the human genome. He tells her Sung created her, then locked her in a prison, and now he's sending her the key. She gets a gift box from the airlock with the same blue vial that uh, Sung received before. This one with a tag that says, Freedom. We go back to Seven and Rafi uh, walking and talking. Wait a minute. There's the red beard guy dead. Pete Redshirt, red beard. Not quite sure if the show's making a connection there. Uh, I'm going for it. Uh, they into it. There's a little extra red underneath his beard. Uh, that's true, too, which formerly was on the inside of his blood vessels and so forth. Uh, clearly, Gerardi is losing the battle with the queen, uh, you know, what with the violence and such. Seven reflects on how the queen must want connection. You see, Pete, she's listened to, to, to Rafi after all. She's thinking like a Borg. Uh, the queen must want that connection, so she's trying to recreate the feeling. Uh, it didn't work connection oh my oneness with the man perhaps so she killed him uh the one-on-one -on -one connection is not enough but look there's his phone uh the battery is gone uh pete you know it's an alternate future where you can easily remove a cell phone battery to replace it on uh, like how it is now uh batteries have lithium ions that's part of the borg stabilization mix wait what's that over there they see a car with its battery out no two three four five cars with their batteries out uh, and who's been doing the taking, but it's the Borgish Jurati chomping on those batteries. She runs to the women, and Rafi, you know, the experienced Starfleet officer, is very slow to take out her phaser and loses her phaser. Rafi gets choked out, then dropped, and Jurati walks. This is a half-Borg Queen Gerardi with now a heavy pair of boots. I, I did not find it unrealistic that she got the drop on Rafi, who is only human, and Seven, who is completely human, uh, before stalking off there. Wells returns uh, telling Picard and Guinan he connected the IV bruise to a clinic their buddy Rios was arrested at and made a statement about being from the future, which Picard reads aloud and chalks up to barbaric interrogation techniques. 
Wells had the clinic searched, though, and produces Picard's comm badge. Uh, he knocks at the door, and Guinan is going to go with his female colleague while he focuses on her uncle. <laughs> Back to La Serena, uh, little Ricardo is fiddling with the buttons, which had me concerned, Pete, that the greater you know Paris metropolitan area was about to be photon <laughs> torpedoed or something, but uh, no big deal. The ship is in diagnostic mode. Uh, how about we go for food? Any food, the power of the replicator. Ricardo orders four cakes and gets there it. are four cakes. Um, there there are that uh, uh, Pete. Does that now make me fundamentally reevaluate my thoughts on the episode? Not really. There are four cakes. Sometimes four cakes are just four cakes. Ricardo loves cooking shows and freedom. Dr. Teresa uh, talks about how she was brought up in life, raised in a more reserved environment. She'd like to know more about uh, Rios. Let's pretend we're married. We don't talk. Intimacy's fading. However, we're stuck in a motel after 10 years, forced to talk. What is your deepest, uh, most fundamental truth? Something that in another life might take you 10 years to share. Rio says uh, that the moment he fell for her, he... Then Ricardo says his tummy hurts. Darn Ricardo. Moment lost. Or wait... Dr. Teresa kisses Rios because, Pete, in this episode, we're getting the most interesting stuff from Dr. Teresa. Wells presses Picard on his intentions for the Europa mission, tells him paperwork's been filed about their alien tech, and if he doesn't talk to him, they'll be dissected. Guinan gets a visit from Q, though she thought the summoning did not work. He says that's a ritual, and when it stalled, she felt emptiness and fear because he's dying? She knows Q can kill each other, but she thought they were immortal, and so did he, but he prefers to believe he's on the threshold of the unknowable. He thought the new sensation was good and would bring meaning, but it hasn't. He seems to be disappearing into nothing, hence his delay in meeting with her. He snaps and says he was trying to vaporize her to prove his point. She asks why he's playing with Picard, and he asks her if a single act can redeem him in the limited time he has left. She says Picard is trapped in the past, but he didn't bring him there and tells her it's the escape that counts. As he leaves, he tells the Elorian that all humans are trapped in the past. So Pete, confirmation, the cues of a certain age have a little difficulty vaporizing people, okay? At the Soon Mansion, Adam comes home. Corey wonders if uh, she was never going to be able to leave, uh, like all the ones that came before her. Soong explains uh, her scientific origins, that, that of Corey, uh, that she was the last of about 20 attempts. She gave him hope and success. Of course he loves her, right? He notes that a reality, uh, he notes that reality is a construct for fools and that anyone can procreate, but she is the product of his will. He loves his work, and you know her. Uh, if she left, uh, what uh, what would she lose? Uh, his daughter or his work, she asks. She indeed does walk out into the sunshine, onto the grass. Soon says she can't walk away from him yet. Indeed, she does. Showing him the same vial that Q had given uh, him before, and uh, telling him... Soon, that if he follows her, she will call the cops. Seven helps Rafi up, uh, who acknowledges Gerardi could have killed her and chose not to. So she's still fighting the fight inside and make an attempt to bring her back. Seven said the extra endorphins and metals that she's ingested will allow her to create primitive nanoprobes that will give her the ability to assimilate. But it's an imperfect short-term plan. They try to jump Redbeard's 
phone battery with a tricorder, and Rafi acknowledges she manipulates people just like Seven said before. Flashing back to fixing La Serena for Seven with Elnor, which his radical candor allowed him to see right through. She couched it as a lesson in deflector maintenance so he could specialize in security at the academy. Zani had contacted him because the Kawat Malat needed him on Vashti. And uh, Rafi gave him the choice to go or to stay and attend Starfleet Academy. But she believes the reason he stayed um, was her. And that ultimately led to his death. We have a quick cut to Soong at home who sees Queenie Gerardi arrive. Does she need to lecture on the futility of resistance? Because you see, Pete, that's a Borg line and also something that Data said in the last Next Generation movie and whatnot. But let's not linger. We cut to Wells asking why Picard was at that gala. The lights flicker and Guinan projects herself to Picard. All humans are stuck in the past. Stuck in the past! Picard repeats it to Wells. Stuck in the past. Wells, you are a haunted man with your emotional shrapnel. What is the moment for Wells? What is Picard to you, Wells? Picard proposes an exchange of truth. Wells says here's the thing that he has waited for. He, Wells, has waited for his entire life. The monster in the dark. Pete, flash us back to the beginning of the episode. Searching for his puppy Maggie as a child, he happened across the aliens and their tech. They ultimately caught him. When the male put his hand to the boy's face, they vanished just like Picard. He knew they'd return, and Picard explains the Vulcan was merely trying to mind meld, which he's able to imitate because of his connection with Sarek that would have prevented Wells from being traumatized. Picard admits he's from the future and there to save the galaxy, but he needs Wells' help. And the end of the episode. At least, it felt like it could be, but it's not the end. On La Serena, the transporter is rebooting, then back down again. Ricardo, let's find two madre, but first, Rafi, update, problems! We go back to Picard, now with Guinan. Uh, it's noted that with humans, when something is broken, it stays stuck until it's fixed. You uh, do the work because you want to evolve, Guinan uh, observes. As for the line of Q saying it's about escape, not the trap, no explanation there. Wells arrives, Pete, the standard banker's box in hand, the second most well-known prop from all of TV and film. The first is... Uh, the the grocery bag with sprig of uh, vegetable and uh, <laughs> celery, you know, yeah, <laughs> celery and a baguette sticking out. Here, the banker's box with flotsam and jetsam from one's desk, signaling that he's been fired. Indeed, he says he's been fired uh, since he's the man who cried alien and couldn't prove it yet again. Oh well, the end of things, says Agent Mulder. I mean Agent Wells. Guinan notes that destinies sometimes ebb and flow, and time is not what we think it might be. Some moments are meant to happen. Perhaps his troubles have all led to letting them go, uh, and he leaves, but he, uh, perhaps emotionally, but certainly literally, leaves the door open. And he had lied about the paperwork um, with the tech, so there is no chain to connect them really back to him and especially as aliens. Meanwhile, Gerardi is frustrated by slow satellites at Sung's and tells him he's famous, where she comes from, and is called the father of the future with statues in capitals. If Rene boards a spaceship, she will render his work obsolete. If not, Earth will enter environmental freefall and it will turn to him. He'll lose a daughter, but become godfather to a planet. He can get them into mission control, and she warns him about Picard and can get him to meet and provide the means of his disposal. 
she needs the raw materials Sung has access to. We go back to 10 forward where Picard intuits that the queen wants the technology of La Serena, this, this, this early queen, La Serena tech, big jump on the technology of the quadrant, uh, even though elements of Romulan technology from last season have shown that they're thousands of years ahead of us. But we're not going to worry about that right now. Uh, it's time to get back to La Serena. So Picard and Guinan say goodbye. Pete, we then cut to elsewhere. Where is it? Well, important that they say they're going to use Talon's transporter here since they can't rely on La Serena's tech. So we're not done with Talon just yet there. And they know that Sung and Gerardi are headed to La Serena as well. Um, we have um, Gerardi ready to assimilate told to us by seven to transition. And then Sung is thanking a general on the phone for, for providing these spearhead operations, ex special forces troops, a male mercenary asks what they want with them. And Gerardi adds his biological and technological distinctiveness to her own. Pete, that alarm signals that we have an incoming threat analysis. Let's start with Special Agent Q. As we've long suspected the thing that's wrong with him and now the, the specter of death, although to an immortal being um, and clearly embracing the strangeness of that sensation, I'm sure it's going to be revealed some further nuance that only the continuum could understand, but between manipulating Corey uh, and there about Sung, uh, which then creates the situation where he would work with Gerardi, um, you know, he, he doesn't have his powers, so he's got to do things in the physical to create the um, circumstances under which Picard can attempt to fix him. We also have um, more of uh, the same state in terms of Gerardi and the Queen having merged here, more badness occurring. The dialogue tells us Gerardi is still in there, although we see obviously a diminishing uh, impact that the Gerardi presence is having on the pair. Well, the Gerardi's inner voice that only we could hear uh, prevented the queen from choking out Rafi. So, you know, we can sense, much like Seven and Rafi, the good in her. Um, we just have to get her back before, you know, um, Luke Skywalker has to duel her and then the Emperor might try to electrocute them both. <laughs> And of course, Pete, we have the uh, increasingly clear to us that uh, Soong is all bad through and through. Here he's used his connections to get, you know, mercs and so forth uh, as his badness continues. But he's got this connection to his creation in Corey, and I'm willing to bet she's going to come into some kind of danger that he'll face a moment of, do I hang on to her or do I give this strange lady in a ripped dress with combat boots who's now making people's eyes turn black and faces tinge green everything she needs? Let's use our long-range sensors to scan for some theories. And Pete, let's pick up from what you just suggested there. Um, I suppose because of the uh, because of the possibility that this timeline might be set, might be fixed, but still what we have seen might hang around. Like I would assume there's going to be a successful Europa launch, and we're going to have you know the Star Trek future of all the <laughs> of all the other series which have have sprouted as a result of it. Does that then mean, logically, death for Corey? 
uh, or can she hang around somehow in the 2020s of the Star Trek future? Well, Gerardi said that one of the forks in the road, one of the options was losing his daughter and then Sung becomes godfather to this planet. So obviously he doesn't lose her. Um, I still think there's a greater connection between Sung and the Borg Queen and all this here. We've, we've finally engineered that coming together. I guess my big question is how much is Renee Picard still in play? It had seemed like we were done with that storyline and now then it was dangled in this episode. Oh, well, they'll, we'll alert them and they'll scrub the mission. There could be some danger to it. And now clearly they're going to make a play for La Serena under some auspice of preventing the launch with any tech that they have on it. Well, Pete, it's interesting to hear your slight confusion as to where the episode wants us to be mentally. Uh, I think unlike Moon Knight, which we discussed yesterday, I don't think it wants us to be confused, but I think there is some confusion in part, Pete, I'd like your analysis on this. When the episode began, or which is to say when last week's episode ended, Picard and Guinan were in jail. Rafi and Seven were chasing the Gerardi Queen on the streets of Los Angeles. Rios was in the ship with Dr. Trace and Ricardo. Uh, Elnor was still dead and showing up in flashbacks or flashes of the mind. Soong was at and around his house being naughty. And Q was uh, wounded and sneaking about. At the end of this episode, um, Picard and Guinan have gotten all the way from presumably out of jail um and everybody else is right where they were at the beginning of the episode so what was this episode um i'm gonna answer your question with a question so of anybody that they could have ever gone out and gotten matt for two episodes so far they go out and get an actor um in Jay Carnes, who had played a uh, character named Duquesne, a Starfleet uh, time ship officer of the USS Relativity in a Voyager episode called Relativity, where he and his captain recruit Seven of Nine to prevent a uh, catastrophe in the past aboard Voyager. Okay that of all the people they could have gone out and, and gotten, they get him. Now, so much has been made of um, Star Trek Picard, though it was widely believed they were going to be three seasons and, and done, getting, being greenlit for a third season and essentially filming back-to-back. -back. I think they ended season two on a Friday and they were shooting season three on a Monday and there was the, Oh, Hey, now filming season three type of uh, thing that happened in like September, right around, uh, um, Star Trek day, um, for the, uh, the anniversary. So, um, much has been made that, uh, showrunner Terry Matalis, uh, since the next generation cast uh, return here for season three, that he had to bounce back into the writer's room and he left Akiva Goldsman kind of like the keeper of the keys on the set and, you know, day to day, even though they'd already written the season and everything like that. And you have this appearance and just everywhere I'm watching the episode, I'm like, here comes the reveal. And then I was recruited by the Starfleet time cops and they don't. And it pretty much seems like nowhere can you find a hole for the character. You know, he's, 
he's too old now to suddenly be pulled into the um, Starfleet time-keeping operation. I mean, I guess the thing we can speculate is there was some kind of connection to a guy in Terry Matalus who worked on Voyager who was kind of like, I like this guy and we should bring him back. But I can't help feeling like if Matalus was there day to day, there'd be that connection we were all anticipating. And um, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, like the only thing we have against this now is that, well, alternate future potentially changed past maybe same individual, but just different like there's nothing to establish that duquesne hadn't at one point lived as a child at the end of the 20th into the 21st century and had that happen to him so ultimately could not become a federation time cop sucked into the future and trying to prevent such anachronism but it just you know we praise Star Trek all the time for the thoughtful way that they go about these things. And I feel like, and you know, we'll read some of our um, mail in a little bit. Like people were like, why you do this and not pay it off. And I think that our criticism is coming from, uh, from a place of positivity, you know, I was reflecting on um, how some online acquaintances, uh, I guess we're not really as acquainted with them anymore, but back when The Last Jedi came out, the tone from from some people was, you did not do what I said you should story, therefore you are wrong. And, you know, d- did you and I both bet big last week that um, Jay Carnes was playing uh duquesne again we did and i don't think that we're you know i don't think that the criticism comes from oh you done us wrong um as you said pete it's kind of weird to use this actor in this role when there was a star trek connection but you know okay fine let's even remove that for a second i would just argue that the presence of wells at the end of last episode and into this episode it's kind of just a placeholder for something going on like, it was kind of cool at the end of last week when it was like, stick him up, I'm the law. Oh, wow, what's going to happen next week? And then this week... He's named get... Wells. Like, can you think of anybody in time, Matt, that <laughs> had that surname? Like, all the arrows were pointing to yeah. that. And I, mean... and I just, I hope, like, they've completely undersold this and he comes back at the end of next episode or at the beginning of the 10th episode after La Serena is destroyed and they can't return on their own to the future and is like, you know, you did that guy a solid and I was playing around the whole time. There were no the Vulcans. How would I even like these people would not cover their ears. Have you ever seen Carbon Creek or the original series or any other time that Vulcans would show up in the past and where there, what were you calling it before when we were off mic? They're, they're longshoremen's caps. How laughable is that? This is the Star Trek after all. Ha 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 ha. Boop. I will put you right back on the bridge there of the, um, the, the stargazer. So you guys can correct this minor anomaly. Move along, move along. Well, uh, Pete, I would argue. Wells. Yeah. Uh, I would argue as a compliment to you and maybe not a compliment to this season of Star Trek Picard. Uh, you could be onto something because I think, I think the pace has slowed down. You know, we had wondered even with the two Frakes episodes, like you kind of had one episode's worth of story and you stretch it out to two. Okay, fine. COVID, COVID. Um, I feel like this episode too was also a, a bit of a placeholder. Now, if it's a placeholder to set up the fact that Wells is going to swoop in and save the day and be revealed as the time agent and so forth, then 
it's great to have look this was a little bit of a, of a you know of a, of a lima bean of an episode if you're going to make me eat the lima beans and then go wow that makes the dessert worth it at the end of the season so be it but you know here we are again still waiting for the europa launch here we are kind of again the entire episode searching for gerardi who who i would argue there's like i would argue that everybody essentially has two important scenes in this episode but somehow there's a whole 45 minute episode here like picard and, and guinan in jail then they have the breakthrough and are able to leave uh rafi and seven find out more about gerardi uh to a point where they now have enough information to understand Gerardi's plan of low-level assimilation. Um, Gerardi slash the Queen have gotten the batteries and now have started to assimilate. Uh, Rios, Teresa, and Ricardo have gone from, wowie, what's this place? To Ochimama, there's sparks flying and so forth. Like, everybody's been moved forward, like I said, by two scenes. It just seemed that this, in the process, was a bit of a filler. I don't find it to be a filler. I think they've put the pieces in place here. We know that they're both targeting La Serena, that the teams, the lines have effectively been drawn here. Um, I, I think all of it pushes that trajectory forward. Like I said, and again, I, I'm not trying to nitpick, but, you know, Star Trek has always been so careful with itself and the Vulcan thing, the Wells thing here, they, they just seem so over the top. I, I pray that they're red herrings that, ah, we were trying to throw you off the scent and, and there you go. Um, but, but here we are. Uh, so I think we've set up the the end game for the return. I mean that they're already having trouble, and we're we're creating this drama over La Serena. What's going to further misdirect from that? Not a victory of our heroes. Like, and we got it back. And you shouldn't have done that, bad queen. Unlock the thing uh, that that maybe Wells isn't who he said he was. Maybe maybe it was all some kind of test, Matt, for Picard to prove the human adventure of a cyborg uh, continues and to, to, you know, show some kind of worthiness of, of getting the, the time ship beam back into the moment that they blew up and changed everything? Well... If we, and of course, if I'm being slightly sarcastic, when we get back to that, when we get back to the Stargazer and so forth, that's kind of the question on my mind here because we still are waiting for the Europa launch. We still are looking to resolve all the 2024 stuff and the Q stuff. I can foresee, I really, really can foresee in the next two episodes you know, they just get out of 2024 at the end of next week. There still then is like some sort of the Q resolution or whatnot. Then we still have the Borg stuff. Um, though I'm kind of down on that as a bit of pacing for my own personal tastes, can I dispassionately act or, or, or ask rather, Pete, will it be into the third season when the Borg facing the stargazer and the fleet is that going to get resolved in the beginning of the third season i think it's time to consider that as a possibility i think this is a beginning and end story this season could i see some kind of cliffhanger that knocks into the next one you know we we said last week we don't think the next generation cast is going to be there some kind of you know baton pass at the end of this season uh could there be some kind of you know oh, we i know just who to turn to type of thing and and leave it at that to set tongues a wagon 
I suppose. I really get the sense that this is a open and shut story and the third season serialized, of course, is going to be its own arc. Pete, what else is showing up on your theory sensor list? This prospect of Q dying versus what he refers to it as being on the threshold of the unknowable. Um, for, for, for my mere, uh, human eyes here, uh, to me, that's a semantic difference. Um, insofar as in this corporeal form, we consider death to be the end. Uh, also for many in a, in a religious sense, it is also a change in perspective and all of that. I think it's a very cue like thing to not stare into death with fear, but to know that, you know, you're an all powerful cue. And when the time does come to an end, you're just on to the next plane of existence or something like it. Seven and the, uh, insightful introspection about um, herself, about Rafi, the manipulation that Rafi has here. Um, You know, they've done some really interesting stuff with Seven not having her Borg past and, and present, really, the implants to draw upon. She references in this episode, she can't use that to track Gerardi and the relationship and the rapport between these two characters that, you know, listen, we want to see get together. The joke last episode about their pain being tragic and beautiful and that they're the main story, not a side story. Um, I think there's a lot of truth to that that you know you don't hear people say oh i don't want to see these two characters together we do so it it needs to obviously be earned you know was it it, it wasn't i don't think an, an out of left field thing to have them holding hands at the end of that first season but though there's been time passage in between the two seasons and the characters have kind of drifted apart or you know in Rafi's explanation, Seven has withheld herself because she feels she's got to give to others and not to herself. So to be stripped of what she's had since she's been six years old and to have this refreshed for us in this episode, she's really kind of learning and changing herself through what Gerardi is going through and through what Rafi's able to point out. I think it's it's quite poignantly and powerfully written. I think that it's it's very reasonable to expect an end point this season where Seven is more comfortable with who she is. Um, I know it's a bit of a story conceit that she still has the Borg implants. Like, it's an easy way to show she's part alien technology and still human like I, I i totally get why there still is stuff there i think from a strictly in universe you know starfleet medical perspective i don't know that she needs to have the thing over her eye um but again willful suspension of disbelief and all of that could we get at the end of this season you know she goes in for the surgery to get um all the visible implants removed however she still is going to keep the ones that are on the insides that way cool story stuff in season three she can use that proximity sensor and so forth sure so i think that the end point is reasonable to expect i don't know that we've seen i don't know i think that we have the the impression of a story arc i don't know that we've seen seven kind of actively change in her relationship with rafi yes seven finds it easy to to play you know hey security guy we just want to go up there to see where we first got engaged or got on our first date or whatever it was and hey bar owner it's it's my sister you see like it's definitely a different seven suggestive of an arc i don't know that we've seen that complete change i I do think we're going to see the end point of that change uh in the next two weeks so can we confront the real elephant on la serena matt is it the elephant of amore uh, no, it's the replicator. 
what, what's wrong with the replicator? You ask for lots of cake and it gives you four cakes. It gives you four slices, four hearty slices of cake. Yeah, one of which was red velvet. And have we ever seen this on Star Trek Picard before and how this works out and how it worked out in this episode? Um, are, are you saying, Pete, that red velvet is not good for your heart and soul? I'm thinking that replicated cake from La Serena has now been shown in both instances on this show to cause belly aches and bigger problems. Okay. So though Rios got a smooch, all right, even after old Ricardo is crushing all this cake to give himself a belly ache, it's still causing problems. Don't eat the cake on La Serena. Replicate yourself. You know, we know that coffee is okay. Uh, I'm sure there's a million other things. Don't be replicating no cake on La Serena. Pete, I'm going to build off that with a highly improbable theory, but one that I could see happening because I think if nothing else, it would be a cool visual. Okay, we know that there's latent Borg stuff hanging out in the ship, despite the fact that it's another hour to run the thing to make sure it's not there. Like, I feel like we're, we are intentionally in a bit of a story gray area when it comes to Borg technology on the ship. What if next episode, wait, where's little Ricardo? Oh, there he is. Turn to camera, black eyed. This is not Ricardo. This is of Borg. Oh no, it was, it was uh, Borg stuff in the cake that Dunn <laughs> turned him. Replicated, bad replicated cake. That'd be a way to go. Like, there he is, uh, black-eyed, and like, <laughs> you know. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That that'd be that'd be dark. And I know the queen are... is my mother now. Wow. That that I think that's a seriously tonal bridge that this show and this franchise really don't go down. Uh, the the whining about you know grim dark trek which is which is not um you know notwithstanding um each eb might disagree pete who's that each eb poor old each eb and his his tragic <laughs> end might disagree or uh you know now that they've killed off eldar for forever right uh yeah let me ask you this does Gerardi survive the season? I cannot imagine um, 99% of the audience being okay with a fully full-on dead Gerardi. Allison Pill shall not return for season three. Like, there's no way, no how. Allison Pill, as we've noted before, is the only actor other than uh, Patrick Stewart to appear in every episode of this show. I can't imagine that that's bridging towards like, and listen, Allison, come on into the room. Yup, Chabon is here. I'm Akiva Goldsman. There's Terry Madalus. Listen, have a, have a drink because we got some bad news for you. We're killing you off in the season two finale. Like, to me, it, there's just too much that's great about the character and the fact that we've, the fact that, that the show has asked her to you know, act deliciously evil and you're going to be the villain for part of the episode and so on and so forth. And it's, you know, let's not forget Rios is working on a way to contain the queen. Like th there's so many story ways to keep her in the show next season. Um, I, I can't imagine her getting killed off for good. I mean, listen, I, I felt it was due diligence to at least float the possibility. Um, how about, Corey, Matt, were told that she should have been dead by the time she was six, that her predecessor made it to almost four. How old is she? I know that we, the we, the show, played a little loosey-goosey with the, you know, the dad tapes, Pete, the, the Questor tapes, if if you will, to do an, an OG gene cut there. Uh, but, you know, these tapes of, look, dad has really dark hair and now it's kind of graying. Like, I know we kind of we blurred time a little bit while watching the episode. It occurred to me is could we solve these questions? Could we solve it with um, a grow faster 
you know, subroutines, or I guess she's genetic, right? A grow faster gene or something like that. Like she appears to be 22, but, um, you know, has been around for the last six years or something like that. Now you might say, well, what does that mean where the sister died at four and she was supposed to die at six? Can I further interpret that as, um, biologically four, biologically six, even if chronologically it was different? Um, I'm not saying like, I'm sure that's how it is, but that is one way to kind of, in my mind, that's one way to resolve some of this lack of clarity. With that, let's open Hailing Frequencies. Hailing Frequencies open, sir. We move to our Twitter poll. Uh, Pete, in this week, uh, as we wait for the Europa mission to launch, people were asked what they were sipping ahead of that eventual launch pete is it possible that the europa mission doesn't launch until episode 310 at the end of next season i don't know but uh the choices were rock to gino that got 13 percent synthail got 21.7 percent canar got 17.4 percent and chateau picard got 47.8 percent pete i must admit i have no they're all obviously star trek drinks i have no idea which one is the top and which one is the bottom figured if nothing else i'd throw the throw the haters off the uh the trail here but pete now we hear from some people who are not haters we start with jt atkins jta is me wonderful turn by allison pill i love what they did with wells and picard finally connecting with him with help from guinan prediction our heroes will save ricardo and teresa from some kind of doom thus freeing them to go back to the future loving this uh pete that is a great story answer from JT's end there that they were uh, Ricardo and Teresa may have been doomed to die anyway. Therefore pulling them to the future does not impact the timeline. Uh, listen, I think we want to keep Teresa around. I think she's been a great addition to this group. She's seen too much apart from some men in black or a Vulcan mind meld to erase it. She got to go back to the future uh we hear from james sagacious big killing on twitter piggybacking off of tess lc139 if they finish strong i love these middle episodes right now it's kind of up in the air in the voyager relativity episode they integrate multiple versions of individuals that have time traveled maybe that's how q gets healed uh next up make it so kclyle1 on twitter looks like we aren't getting back to the 25th century until the last episode bummer Still feels like an awful lot to tie up in 2024, but I'm loving it. And I can't wait to see how the remainder upholds. I really want uh, to know why the Soongs turn to androids and when. Uh, Pete, I think from Enterprise, we have a bit of a sense of that. There's future Soongs that show up in Enterprise and there's still genetic stuff. And I think there's a line in there like, maybe robots are the answer in a hundred years, which I think was meant to be a setup for noonian soong yeah i mean the the soong family and questionable decisions um and you know you wonder what of the family's eventual robotic knowledge might be gained out of this temporary alliance with a cyborg um so we'll see but again you know other than showing us a actor known for being in an episode of Star Trek that all signs pointed to was a connection back to that. The show hasn't failed us. Next Spider-Ham Lincoln, Tess LC 139. I didn't know what I wanted this season, but from the last two episodes, uh, they haven't been it. Mercy was a slow series of narrative letdowns and agent Wells was a tease of epic mundanity. For me, the only highlight from 208 was Rafi's memory with Elnor. I feel like we're being either led through a maze towards a delicious, unseen buffet of resolution, or we're circling the plot drain, waiting for the inevitable uh, septic slide down the sewer pipes of an unsatisfying story. The way this season started, I had high hopes. I still hold, hold on to a glimmer, expecting them to pull it off and delight us with a magical ending, even if that's a cliffhanger to season three, but I'm dubious unfettered worry invades my thoughts with despair of a dying queue i ask that season two uh didn't have mercy on us uh, or rather i ask season two have mercy on us and finish this 10 course meal with a spectacular dessert 
instead of giving us a coupon for a discount on our next meal. Uh, a reply there, Pete, from uh, Make It So. I was thinking that maybe there'd be a cliffhanger for season three as well. Like they say, everything's fixed. They get back and it's not Picard. He says, we need your help and I know who to call. Thus begin assembling the TNG crew. Yes, I realize this is certainly not going to happen. Um, uh, Make It So says, parenthetically. Uh, Pete, uh, two more tweets here in reply to my initial tweet, which was, what are you drinking as you wait for the launch? Uh, we hear from uh, Kelly, that's Antipodal, who says Vulcan Spice Tea for me, and uh, Bender B. Rodriguez, it's Bender B. Rodrigue, uh, a 15 on Twitter, who says Blood Wine. So uh, a literal response to my question there. <laughs> and all options represented, which again is the thing I think we always appreciate about Star Trek. To the email inbox we go, hearing from Stacy. Uh, A.K. Stingray, A.K. TrekGirl88 on Twitter, who says, Hi, Matt and Pete. Only two episodes left. First, I want to follow up to my Episode 7 comments regarding Yvette's mental illness. The conversation I mentioned regarding the tortured artist trope was within a small group uh, I'm part of that is largely made up of people who are neurodivergent and not the larger Trek slash Twitter community, at least not that I saw. My take on the situation was that we are frequently mis, uh, that we frequently misremember or misinterpret things that happen in our childhood, and that Picard is realizing that he did not understand what was going on, so thought his father was abusing his mother. And I thought it was well done, but I wanted to acknowledge that for someone who has mental illness, it might look different. That said, I found your analysis of the episode very thoughtful and considered. Your interpretation that Papa Picard was using Yvette's mental illness as a shield for his abuse hadn't occurred to me. So I got many perspectives on this, and that's always a good thing. On to this week's episode. I really liked the X-Files feel of Picard and Guinan's storyline. Wells dedicating his life to find aliens set in motion by a chance encounter with Vulcans was a cool reveal. I'm disappointed with the Rios part of the story. I get why he told Teresa and Ricardo who he is and where they're from, but taking them to the ship, letting them wander around touching stuff is no good. I feel like they're on La Serena just so something bad can happen to them. Last episode, the snarky banter between Seven and Rafi felt harsh and angry, and while understandable, it was hard for me to watch. I'm glad this week it was a little less snarky and had more reflection on it. The scene between Rafi and Elnor was heartbreaking. I'm pretty squarely thinking that they won't be wrapping up, uh, wrapping it up this season, uh, and I can't wait to see how it all plays out always looking forward to your thoughts that from stacy uh pete stacy has reminded me of something that i saw on twitter but was also in the back of my brain while watching it wouldn't it have been cool if instead of uh getting uh this actor for agent wells what if it was an unnamed agent played by david duchovny would that have <laughs> knocked your socks off i mean listen i i think we would have been down for that it would have been a little conspicuous but this is just slightly less conspicuous. I, again, I I just hope it's hand waving us away, like uh, you know, Vulcans and Picard, you know, explained it away and had to put you on on your right path. Uh, La Serena just blow up, blew up. Good thing I'm a masquerading time cop. Here you go. And now I've quit the FBI anyway. So let's take my banker's box to the future. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I hope we're not overthinking it, over expecting, but you had millions of other actors to choose from. You know, maybe Terry Matalis just really likes Jay Carnes, but you'd think like they covered it. Yeah. Um, thank you, though, Stacy, for clarifying a bit about I, I thought I had missed somewhere in the discussion out there uh, what people were saying about um, the tortured artist type of thing. Um, and thank you for the compliment. Just spitballing that idea there about uh, Picard's father. I was kind of hopeful we might get a little bit more James callous um we still have that little bit that talon could detect about picard so i mean here's here's hoping 
and I think we can expect too they'll put a bow on that story. Well, Pete, with that, let's now turn our attention to the wise thoughts of Fred from the Netherlands. Hello, Matt and Pete, and all listeners to Fantastic Geek. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Star Trek Picard Season 2, Episode 8. I gave this episode a 7 on IMDb. Why is that? I think the pace of the episode was a little slow. Not too much action, apart from the Dirati slash Borg Queen attacks Ruffy and Seven. Although the episode brought us quite forward in the sense of information, it could have been done in half the time. It's quite slow paced and actually in several locations. I mean, the banter between Ruffy and Seven is getting a little bit old and takes a lot of time. Um, the interrogation part with the FBI agent, or at least uh, I don't know what he is, or a policeman in this uh, FBI archive is also quite time consuming. The interaction between Rios, Teresa and her kid is quite playful, but also didn't bring too much. And then we have, of course, the story of Adam Soong and Corey. Actually, I now understood it. I think I understood it because she looks back to old family films and she asks herself, why don't I remember this? And that was actually her predecessor, the girl that died at the age of four. But previously I had thought that it was the real kid of Adam and that had died and that they had transferred the child's DNA into some clones and that all these clones failed and that his main goal was to have some kind of way to have his daughter surviving. But now because of the discussion about the mother, he just invented a mother and not uh, because there really was a mother. So it's not cloning his own child, it's just creating a child. Okay, that will be all for this time. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Pete, I think Fred pitching, perhaps, uh, a slightly better story point than... Well, let me put this way. I understand kind of the pathos here for Corey um, being the the end point of all these failed tries. And I understand how that um, kind of raw scientific, try it again, try it again, uh, how that paints Adam Soong in, uh, you know, a, a very dark light. I, I do rather like the the pathos of the idea that Fred kind of was pitching there. What if Fred had hoped for, I think, you know, it's clear the episode didn't go in this direction, but what if Corey had been Corey and the others had been clones of a clone of a clone of an original daughter. And, and that's what drives soon. It might drive him slightly less sympathetically. I don't think that would remove the body count of all these clones that didn't make it. Um, but I rather like what, what Admiral Fred has pitched there. It's an interesting possibility. I don't know that it'll be addressed, um, but it, it's an uh, unexpected way to look at it. And of course, Pete, this and all the Fantastic Geek outings made possible by those who support us on patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek. Looking ahead to the wild start to May and the very uh, busy June, which is ahead of us, that support uh, tangible and appreciated now more than ever. Yeah, everybody who contributes to um, patreon.com slash fantastic geek gets exclusive content, always looking for ways to deliver that to our patrons. Um, but beyond what we give you, it's what you give us the ability to do and bring these podcasts, several podcasts, increasingly more podcasts per week to you. Uh, so we can't thank you enough for that listener support. Again, if you're unable to financially contribute, everybody can go on Apple Podcasts and in a moment leave us a rating, maybe even a review, and help more people find what it is we do. Pete, let's keep the calm lines open as we look to these last two episodes of Star Trek Picard. How can people be in touch with you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R. 
12,483 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do me in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word, like it today. If you're listening on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we'll be talking some Ms. Marvel uh, as the, the week gets going here. Certainly back next weekend for Moon Knight 105 and Picard 209. Pete, if you can imagine it, Picard 209, we will be podcasting in the month of May on May 1st. Future is quite a thing. For now, though, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. I'm sensitive to the space-time continuum. I'm not a clock. Oh.